Welcome, Welcome to the Nightly Rant with your hosts, Mike and Toria. This is the show where we examine society from a sarcastic point of view. If you like insane conversations, this is definitely the show for you. Let's get into today's topic. YPN people, I don't know about you, but I love helping out a friend. That's why I want to shout out my friend Brian Little and his podcast, Your favorite blockhead. This is the only show that manages to weave together peanuts and MMA into one heck of an amazing podcast. You can find your favorite blockhead wherever your favorite podcasts reside and at yourfavoriteblockhead.com. Do me a huge favor and listen to Brian's show. You'll be entertained and you'll help out a friend. Now, as I said, let's get into today's topic. Hey, so we're back from our vacation. It was kind of an interesting vacation. It was it was definitely interesting. That's a good way to describe it. How did you like Denver? It was fabulous. So when I, I got a laugh though because Tuesday morning I was taking the kids to school and it was uh, about fifty degrees, and we had just come from twenty degree weather uh, in Denver, and these kids are wrapped up in like ski parka. What do you call it? A thing around your neck. What do you call that thing? Scarf. Scarf. Thank you. And <laughs> and gloves and a beanie in 50 degree weather. And they still looked like they were freezing to death. It's just crazy. It California dangerous. kids. Yeah, it was it was really weird because they were they looked like they were freezing to death. I'm not kidding you. Like it, it looked as though, you know, five more minutes outside and they might be icicles. So I <laughs> <makes me> wonder <laughs> makes me wonder how they would survive in that 20 degree weather. They wouldn't. So and the other thing I want to mention is um, because it's related to. The guest we have waiting here is um, we just adopted a brand new little black male kitten. His name is Jasper. He's four months old. So he's a new addition to um, the zoo. And if you if you follow the zoo uh, Instagram, it's our amazing zoo on Instagram. And they you'll start to see pictures. Toria took a ton of pictures yesterday of him. And you'll start to see pictures showing up on there. But our guest today is Margie. Um, she's the co-owner of Interview Connections. It's the first and leading podcast booking agency. Uh, Margie and her business partner, Jessica, lead an in-house staff of 12 employees in their Rhode Island office. I guess you're used to cold. Uh, and have successfully scaled the agency to seven figures. Congratulations on that. Outside of work, Margie is very active in animal rescue. She was recently recognized for her fundraising efforts with a Humane Heroes Award. So welcome to the show, Margie. Thank you so much for having me. So before we jump into the animal rescue, um, tell me a little bit about um, Interview Connections and what you do there. Sure. So we work with entrepreneurs who are multi-six figure and above in revenue, who they're mostly service-based entrepreneurs who can work with clients virtually, and we get them booked on podcasts in front of their target audience so they can build their brand awareness and get new leads and clients. Oh, that's a great idea. It's um, actually a line of business that we've thought about going into from oh, time cool. to time. But but well, but what we've actually discovered is that finding the podcasts to put people on seems super easy to me. Like I've managed to make connections with so many podcasters, but it's finding the people who trust the idea that, okay, I'm going to pay you a small fee and you're going to get me booked on shows. Finding those people who trust that is really, really difficult. 
Yes. And and there's a lot of people popping up now. I think, you know, it's hard to know who to trust. So it's also people want to make sure that if they invest in you, that you're really going to understand their show criteria and their goals and get them on shows that are actually going to move the needle for them, not just, you know, check a box. So yeah, it's definitely important to have that thought leadership and make sure people know in the marketplace that they can trust you. Yeah, definitely. It's it seems like it would be something that would take a, just like building authority in like the tech field like I have or in a virtual assistant space like Victoria has. Um, it it takes time and you just have to yeah. be patient um, trying to find the right people. Yeah, that's always those are two things most people don't have. Lots of time or lots of patience. Yes. <laughs> but those of us who who I mean, one of the things that really interested me when you approached me on LinkedIn about being on the show is um, your your animal rescue efforts because we we work with a rescue here in Los Angeles called uh, Dachshunds and Friends Rescue and we uh, I love that they call it End Friends because they they have while they have lots of dachshunds they also have lots of <laughs> friends as well um, and it's very it, I find it very rewarding because we. We have, uh, how many dogs have we adopted out now in the last year? 10? I think it's about 10, yeah. We're the ones that we rarely say no to another dog. I mean, we even, (laughs) we just had one that got (laughs) adopted before we went away on vacation. And we are of another vacation plan in January. And we said, you know, we should wait until then to adopt, to bring in another one. And then they had this emergency situation. And so we're getting another dog right after Christmas who um, our only deal was, you have to, someone from the rescue is going to have to babysit him while we're gone for um, the weekend in January. But uh, so they said, okay, for that. but it's really rewarding. So what got you involved with animal rescue? That's a great question. I mean, I've really been involved forever. Since I was a little kid, um, I've just been animal obsessed and just like, you know, like my mom's friends have told me stories about like being real, like two or three and someone had a petting zoo at their birthday party and all the other kids were scared. And I was like trying to gather as many small animals into my arms as possible. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it really just went from there. And I've always, they, I think once you get into rescue and people know that you love animals, they just start to either come to you with animal situations or like animals will just find you like show up at your house. I had a kitten fly in front of my car on the highway. Like they just come out of nowhere. And yeah, so just grabbing all those opportunities and getting all those animals. And I work with rescues, but I also independently will like get involved sometimes. And I actually just had news today that, um, My mom is adopting a foster cat I placed with her two months ago because our employee's mom had um, early onset Alzheimer's and couldn't keep her cat anymore because she had to go into memory care and there was just nowhere for her to go. So I went and picked up the cat, brought her to my mom, which I've dropped off many animals at my mom's house. And I said, (laughs) I promise it's temporary, but she ended up fitting in really well with my mom and her rescue dog. So it was good. But yeah, they just seem to find you. Well, it's funny because through my life, kind of similar scenario, I've always been into the animals and we've always, you know, either gotten rescued from a kill shelter, um, places like that. And Victoria and I got married four years ago and it was my second marriage and we got a dog, Yogi, from the shelter that my youngest daughter was just in love with from the internet. That's another thing that 
the rescues around the, 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 not the rescues, the shelters around here are getting smart. They're, they're using their website to help promote these animals before you even walk in there, which, mm-hmm. you know, then you're, she kind of went there with the intention of finding this dog. And, you know, we found him, he, he sort of chose us, not the other way around. And what really is really amazing, I always like to tell the story, our listeners know it. We went there on a Sunday, like at closing time, I was very close to closing time. And there was kind of a strategy to that because I could say, okay, we got to go, you know, um, and they wanted this dog, both my son and my daughter, they wanted this dog. And so we went to the front and he said, you know, we're closed now, but I could still adopt him to you. But if you wait until tomorrow morning, he's half price. And so we look at the kids and I said, you know, it's actually more than half price off because it's 195 He's going to be 95. So let's let's save the hundred dollars. I'll just come here first thing in the morning. And they said, you know, you better make it here. You you'd better show up in time. So I actually went an hour ahead of time before they open and I waited for this dog. And the same guy who was there the night before laughs and he says, You you came back like they asked you to. And he took me to where the dog was, handed me the leash, and said, Go ahead inside the cage and get your dog. He's the only dog in that cage. That dog ever since then has been glued to my side. And that is one of the reasons why we're involved with animal rescue is they just, these animals just appreciate it so much, you know, it's it's crazy. So what's the situation like in in Rhode Island? Because the weather can be pretty harsh, I know. So what's the situation like with getting animals adopted? And is there kind of like a season for it? You know, how does that work? Good question. So we in Rhode Island, we have a pretty low kill rate because the spay and neuter is pretty good in the Northeast generally. So Rhode Island um, and a lot of groups work really hard to keep spay and neuter up to date and to make it affordable so that the overpopulation isn't so bad. So there's not a surplus the way there is in the southern states of animals at shelters, but there are a lot of animals needing homes. I work closely with Vintage Pet Rescue. That's where I got my dog. Um, And they take hospice, senior, special needs dogs who have nowhere to go. And they have seen a real spike in surrenders during the holidays, which has been really sad. And it's interesting because it's for many different reasons. They do take animals because the owner gets a, you know, serious health diagnosis and is like going to pass away or is too sick to care for them. So a lot of different reasons, but it all seems to really come to a head this time of year. And there's a big spike in the number of dogs needing to be picked up and owner surrender. So we don't have a huge problem with strays on the street, but we do have a huge problem with owner surrenders. Yeah, that's very similar here, I guess. Uh, we have similar problems. I think I think what happens is a lot of people, they get animals around the holidays as like a gift and then yeah. it doesn't work out. I mean, we even, we, in the year, well, how long have we been doing the rescue, Toria? A year and a half. We started in June of last year. That's what I thought. I knew it was more than a year. We've had two dogs that have gotten adopted and gotten returned to us. And each time it was because the people didn't really do their research. And so after the yeah. first one, after the very first one, I spent an hour on the phone with these people because this particular dog was really special in a lot of different ways. It wasn't just that he was a special dog, but also he had some special attention needs. Like it's one of those dogs where he, he had come up from Mexico and we have cats, as we mentioned, and he would chase the cats. But then if you just kept telling him no, he would slowly stop chasing the cat, slowly stop chasing the cat. 
But then you'd we wouldn't noted, hurt them. Right. Just yeah. like pin them down and lick them. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't really like. But. but but then we noticed like outside he'd see an outside cat and all of a sudden his senses would be heightened again. And so we warned them, you know, you guys have two cats. He's going to chase your cats. Um, yeah. You just have to be patient. You have to correct him, et cetera. Well, poor the poor guy, um, a day and a half in, the, the man who had never had a dog before was a couple. He called me and he wanted to return him. So it's really sad when they when they come back. And one of the things we have a rule about with our rescue our own personal rule is if it's our foster dog that left and is coming back, no matter what the situation, bring him back to us because yeah. we've already spent all, especially that when he'd been with us, my gosh, Beans was with us for three months by the time he got adopted. And, and so he dog training. And yeah. All that good stuff. We, we actually took him to obedience training. We did all this thing with him. So he That's was great. really well bonded to us, but yeah. we find that like we even got involved with, cats because we had a there was a mama cat and five kittens in our apartment complex and one of the kittens looked really really sick like the eye was closed and so toria got some help from a local cat rescue and they captured all the kittens and the mama and we took care of them well <laughs> as luck would have it toria and the kids were so into the kittens that poor mama was not getting the attention so i was giving her the attention then i got attached to her so we kept her and we called her our PTSD cat because she really was stressed from being outside. She, well, pretty girl as well, like seven months, maybe seven, eight months old when we adopted her. I think she was a year. Yeah, she was a young She'd already one. had kittens and her kittens were already four months old. Yeah, so. that's true. She, she was a young one. And it's that feeling that you get for that animal. It's really hard. We've been really good in that we haven't foster failed except for one time. And that was our um, puppy <laughs> that we have right now. And. I warned Victoria when she said, hey, they have these puppies and Cheryl's asking, can we take one? And I'm like, no puppies. Absolutely no puppy. And I should have said stuck to my guns because Less than a week. Now, now we have <laughs> second dog. Um, and and it's funny because when they're a foster dog, you just kind of just do it. It's not a lot. doesn't seem like a lot of work. When it's your own dog, though, and you know it's there forever, you're like, oh, my yeah. gosh, I got to walk two dogs and by myself, too. Thank, thankfully, it, with some of the walks we do inside of our apartment complex and our dog Yogi is trained to walk off leash. So he, mm -hmm. he, he walks off leash in the building cause it's safe. Um, yeah. just makes it, Oh my gosh, so much easier. But tell, have you, have you had any situations like that where you've had a foster and you failed and ended up keeping it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, um, when I was in college, I got really involved with a rescue that was taking dogs out of high kill shelters in the South and bringing them up to Rhode Island. So I fostered a number of those dogs. It was like the summer between college terms. So I was living at home with my parents, filling their house with pets, which was like kind of a a constant. Luckily, they were very <laughs> tolerant. So I had a bunch of fosters and my mom, my both my parents like wanted to keep all, all of them, you know, because they get so attached. But I was pretty disciplined of, of like, I will only keep them if there's not a better option. So for everyone's an adopter came forward who it's like, oh, they can be home with them all the time or something made them a better fit than my parents. So I would be like, sorry, guys, like, but the last foster dog we had, Molly, was a pit bull mix. She had been marked as um, not having heartworm. And then it turned out that she did, in fact, have heartworm. And so she needed expensive heartworm treatment. She needed to be kept still. And she was a really young, big, high energy dog. So that one, they were like, we'll pay for we'll pay for this and keep her. So they did end up keeping her. 
but it really became a really long foster because she was my dad's dog. And then when my dad died, I ended up rehoming her and she's like thriving in this new home. So I always say that she was always meant to be with Judith and we were a very long foster for her while she needed <laughs> that. It's <laughs> really cool. Yeah, it's interesting too, because I, I also find that animal people kind of come in two. Well, the, they, they're all kind of the same. They are, everybody loves the pets. Um, mm -hmm. But there are some people that are, I don't know, almost like the cat hoarders that you see on TV. You know, they're they're way too overboard. And yeah, they they just get, I don't know, almost turn the animals into humans. And that I always find interesting because we have, we have like a, a Facebook chat that we when there's an animal in a local shelter that fits the criteria for the rescue, they'll post it and say, Hey, is anybody available? Go pick up this animal. Um, we have pull rights here. We have pull rights there. And some people will say like, you know, my little, you know, Jojo does not like chihuahuas and we cannot bring a chihuahua in our house. And they're like, how do you know that? Did he tell you that? Like strangest thing, you know, um, and they treat them like they're little kids. It's really kind of cute and funny, but um, yeah. The other thing you, you mentioned paying for things, and that's that's the greatest thing about our rescue is she's never said no um, to any kind of uh, payment for any, uh, you know, sick animals. They re they actually recently what was the one dog he got in a car accident or something and had to have hip hip surgery. He got hit by a car and he had to have hip surgery and then rehab rehabilitation. He got hit by a car and then left at a shelter without being treated. So like his whole hip system was all messed up. Oh no. Yeah. And then they, they get a lot of dogs in our rescue with that IVDD that is so common in dachshunds where their, hmm. their back discs degenerate and mm -hmm. then they lose the ability to use their back legs. But apparently there's like a surgery they can get and then rehabilitation and they can walk again. Wow. So the rescue does a lot of that. Yeah. They're great about it. They are. They're great. Yeah, Vintage Pet Rescue, where I got my dog, they're like that too. I mean, they have, not only do they pay for all the dogs that they pull, and these dogs have so many medical conditions and really are at the end of their lives. Like they maybe have a year or two of good years left, but they want them to have those years and they put all this money into surgeries. They have a 15-year-old three-pound chihuahua who's in emergency surgery right now, and it's going to be like over $4,000. And they just, not only do they never say no, but they also pay for people who can't afford their pets but want to keep them or other rescues who have hospice or special needs animals that they can adopt out, but only if the adopter has help. So they're covering bills for so many special needs animals. It's incredible. And they never say no. They're always fundraising. They are the best. And my dog, Harold, I have a eight-year-old blind Maltese who I got from them, who generally most of their residents are lifetime residents. They because they're just not super adoptable. They're kind of in their retirement. But right. he apparently was not ready for retirement and decided he does not like other dogs. So he was politely asked to leave. <laughs> That's hilarious. We had one that came to us and he looked like a little skeleton dog. He was so skinny. And they, they told us he was like 13, but he was probably actually more like 17. When he was a standard dachshund, he had a huge wound on his shoulder. He he probably cost the rescue 
$2,000 for the surgery and then dental work and all that stuff. And then we, we actually got him adopted and he passed away a month later. Oh, you read my mind. I was going to say I was going to tell my saddest um, adoption oh. story. And that was it. That was Duncan. Poor Dunk. He, was, Poor Dunk. he was a grumpy old man doc, too. Um, it was really yeah. <laughs> he was super cute. So what would be like your saddest um, rescue story? Um, let me see. Saddest rescue story. I mean, I've had a lot of really good ones. I have had, I had a foster dog who was really old like that, who I got, I, this rescue would just like in a stop and shop parking lot, which is like a grocery store chain here. I'm not sure if you guys have them on the West coast, but I would like meet this van that had driven like 22 hours up from the South with just cages full of dogs. And usually I would have pre like reserved one but then of course they'd be there'd be one where they're like no one wanted this one and I'm like all right I'll take them both and that happened to me I went to pick up a beagle basset hound mix and then they had this dog it was a little tiny min pin and she was supposed to be 13 but I think she was like a hundred like she was definitely older than that she had no teeth and she looked like a mosquito because she was in this permanent sort of squatting position. And I think she had been kept in a backyard cage, like with a breeder and it, she had like atrophied. So she just, she was just kind of hunched over all the time. And I was like, oh, I'll take her. So I took her and it was incredible. She kind of, in the beginning, it seemed like she wasn't really there mentally. Like she almost had no personality. She was just sort of existing. But then she started like seeking attention. And then as she moved more, her, her, she started to straighten out her back. She, and then she was able to like go upstairs and it was incredible, this incredible transformation. So she was adopted out and she only lived a few months after she had been adopted. So that was hard because I wanted to keep her anyway, but I had to go back to college. But I do think it was worth it because at least she was loved. You know, I don't think the amount of time makes sense, like makes that much of a difference as long as their last stop is someone who really, really loves them and they know that they're loved. I think it's still a win. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like with the story with Duncan, he ended up, you know, we thought we were going to have him permanently. Yeah. <laughs> because he was, like she says, they told us he was 13, but I'm thinking he was more like 18 years old. He was a pretty old guy. Yeah. Um, Adorable. And we, he, he was a super sweet out. dog, but... <laughs> We, we figured we'd have them forever. And then these people came along and they specifically were looking for um, an older dog. So, yeah. you know, there's there's someone for everybody out there, I think. And that's what's really, I don't know, it's really fulfilling about doing this is even the dogs you think you won't get adopted, you do manage to get adopted. Yeah, I love that. There's definitely someone for everyone. So I'm a senior pets gal. I always want the older ones. I have a 17-year-old deaf cat and then my eight-year-old blind Maltese. So one's deaf and one's blind. So one's like bumping into things and the cat is just like yowling so loud all the time because she can't <laughs> hear herself. So it's chaos, but that's what I love. And I think it's so important to be self-aware about which types of pets you can really offer offer a good home to, because I'm a fantastic owner to my pets. If I had a young, high energy dog that needed five miles of exercise every day, I would not be a good owner to that dog. So I think people fall in love with how cute an animal is, but they're not really being self-aware about like, what can I actually handle? What can I provide? What's going to make this match a win-win that's enriching my life and enriching their life? So I think that's just so important. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I think that the ability to give the animal what they want, like we we actually 
there's a neighbor that that has recently moved out of our complex and they were living in a two bedroom apartment on the third floor where your only access is down like multiple flight of stairs or in an elevator and they adopted a well and not only that they're super busy she she watches her grandchildren um during the weeks and they so that they can go to the local school her husband works like super long hours her daughter works super long hours so it's just her and she was a uh, like a some kind of a nurse administrator and so she worked from home and they adopted a siberian husky Puppy. and that dog was not right for an apartment it wasn't right. right for the situation and like the poor baby we would walk our dogs and go right by his window and he'd be staring like with his head resting on the windowsill staring at us as we go by and i mean right before i heard that they were moving i said to toria you know i'm gonna ask her if we can um, when we go for walks with our dogs, we can take him for a walk with us to help her out, you know, just because I felt so bad for this dog being cooped up in an apartment all day. And, you know, they complained, oh, he tore up their couch. He tore up this. He tore up that. Well, what do you expect him of to do? He he's, did. Yeah. he's locked in a house and he's a dog that needs lots of exercise and he's not getting the exercise. So thankfully, they moved to a house and it has a yard. So, I mean, at the very least, the dog's going to get some exercise. But, um, it was just sad. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I think people need to consider their their options uh, when they're adopting. And, and like you say, if you don't have the time to take them for long walks, well, then get a little bit older dog that, you know, it's going to, I think people forget, like they see, oh, the dog is nine years old. Well, a lot of dogs live to be 15, 20 years old. Yes. You know, it's not like, it's not like he's going to live for a year and go. I mean, no one's, and, and let's be real. You could adopt a puppy and have it not last very long too. Yeah. Health issues and whatever. I think you just go into it for who's the right fit for you, and are you going to be able to give it the kind of attention that it's going to need? That to me is the key. And I mean, like we we only agreed to adopt the puppy because we're home. You know, we work out of our house, so yes, we can give him give her the attention she needs and the walks. I mean, I actually set an alarm every hour and a half. Out she goes yeah. for a walk and. And it's really, you know, it, it's helped with potty training, et cetera. I mean, that's, those are all the things that, you know, from a rescue perspective, we want people to understand is you have to think about what it is you're getting yourself into before signing on that dotted line. It's not just about how cute the animal is because that wears off really fast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you. your, your first sleepless night and it it's worn off. <laughs> I, I... I did not sign up to be thrown. I did not sign up to be thrown up on by a kitten this morning. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. She had a little accident. It's so important to be self-aware and to look at the things that you uniquely can provide because like you working from home can provide a home to, you know, your dogs that they would not be as happy with anyone else. And knowing that I could take a dog to work, that my partner works from home, I purposely got a breed, a Maltese, that is a Velcro dog. They get separation anxiety. They need someone with them all the time. They basically want to be treated like a child, like an infant and held all the time. He needs needs medication every eight hours. So someone needs to be home with him in the afternoon to give him his neurological medication. So he was a perfect fit for us because a young energy, like high energy husky, I would be a nightmare for. I would be miserable. They would be miserable. I'm lazy. I like to sit and watch TV. It would be a terrible mix. But this dog who really wasn't a fit for a lot of people was a perfect fit for us. So he was able to get everything he needed. And he's great for us because he's not that high energy and he's adorable. <laughs> That's awesome. And it, it's it has to be also 
when you when you get involved in rescue work, it has to also be kind of a labor of love because yeah. it is really hard. Um, we just recently, like we mentioned, we had one get adopted right before we went on vacation and he came to us and we thought, oh, he's not going to be here very long. He's he's so cute. And he's he was a Dachshund Beagle mix and he Aww. was the friendliest dog, like just always kind and loving. But then he had this little aggressive streak in him and mm -hmm. a couple of other people prior to us had kind of given up on him and passed him on to us. And we're the type like we try to treat the foster dog like it's our dog. Um, we figure out what treats they like and what kind of food they like. And, and that's what we that's what we give them. This one, he, he was here. How long was Diego here? Three months? He came right when we got back from Flagstaff. So like middle of August. Four months. Um, and he, over time, we just kept correcting him gently when he would growl. Mm -hmm. Like he'd have this thing where he'd be sitting on the couch with you. Another dog would jump on the couch. He'd growl at them. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes even a human would sit on the couch. He'd growl at them. And he never really would act on the aggression. He would just, you know, act, you know, puff up and act like a, you know, big, mean um, beast. And we just kept gently correcting him, gently correcting him. Well, after all that work, um, <laughs> you start to get attached to them. You know, yeah. they, they become like your friend and you, you look forward to seeing them and their antics and whatever. Um, but what always seems to happen in those situations is if you're patient, the right person comes along and adopts that yeah. dog. And that's exactly what happened. Um, this lady from down in San Diego showed up and she had another, she had an eight-year-old dachshund. She had two kids. She lives on three quarters of an acre of land. This dog is loving life and it's hard to let him go, but it's nice to know that now he's living in, with a family who's going to love him and take care of him. And, and I'll be honest, we thought he was going to be number three that would get returned because yeah. of the aggressive thing. But thankfully, they're dog people. So they understand. All right. I get it. Yeah. She literally, I, I check in on them once a week for the, like the first two months that they're gone. And she literally told me in the last update that her words were, we've figured out what to do to make him successful. And mm -hmm. I loved that comment because it showed me her awareness that it's the owner's responsibility to show the dog how to act and give the dog what it needs. It's not the other way. The dog's not going to sit up and talk to you and tell you what it wants. You have to figure that out. You're right. And, he pooped behind your couch to tell you what he wants. Yeah, <laughs> he did. And that's why, like I said, with the puppy, we were we were potty training her and we were running into issues where she'd be great and then she wouldn't be. And she'd be great and she wouldn't be. And I looked at Tori and I said, the problem is the human, not the dog. We get busy and we forget to take her. I know I'm really guilty of that. I'll get into a project and I'll look up and four hours has gone by. Well, a six month old puppy, they can't hold it for four hours, you know, like that. So I would start setting an alarm and just start taking her out. And you, boy, no accidents yeah. when you do that. It's no accidents. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Humans, we have to realize that it's our job to help the, the animal, not the other way around. Yeah, I don't think that's really important. So your stories are really cool. I think I think it's awesome that you've been involved with, um, you know, animals from a very young age. It mm -hmm. seems to be the theme amongst the rescues that we've talked to. Um, so why don't you tell us where people can find you and the rescues that you work with? And, you know, even your interview connections um, business, it's a great fit for 
for what we're doing because we're actually growing a podcast network right now. We're bringing shows on. And one of the things that we've, well, I'm going to want to talk to you about this because one of the things we tell our new shows, we ask them a question. Do they want, we ask them two questions. Do they want help producing the show? Mm -hmm. And do they want help getting guests for the show? And about half the people want help producing it, but everybody wants help getting guests. So I think it might be something where, um, I could turn to you and say, okay, they need, you know, they need help. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can figure that out. I think I've actually stumbled upon your website in the past um, when I was doing research for what we were thinking about doing on our end. So I'm impressed because it's a, I think you're ahead of the game. I think it's something that two, three years going to be a huge business because podcasts are growing so fast, so, so fast. So our website is interviewconnections.com. And then we also have a masterclass coming up in our Facebook group, which starts on January 20th. So we do these masterclasses about every eight weeks, but it's me and my business partner do live teaching and trainings in the group every day of the masterclass. It's really valuable. We have a templated worksheet and you have the opportunity to really be in a conver- an interactive conversation with us, which we really love being actually like able to talk to our, you know, clients and people who are interested in the strategy. So that's a really good fit for multi six figure and above entrepreneurs who are service based businesses and are interested in leveraging podcast interviews to grow their business. So you can people can register for that at interviewconnections.com slash masterclass. And once you register, it will prompt you to join our Facebook group, which is where all the content will be happening. Happening. Um, and then as far as animals, vintagepetrescue.org is the website of the group where I got my dog. They're absolutely incredible and they're always looking for donations, especially this time of year. They are totally overloaded with these senior dogs with huge medical bills that have been dumped by their owners. So check them out. They also are on Instagram at Vintage Pet Rescue and it is one of the cutest Instagrams I've ever seen in my life. They love wearing sweaters. It's more chihuahuas than you've ever seen because they live so long that they kind of take over the retirement home. So it's very cute. <laughs> I'm going to go follow that right now. You have yeah. it will honestly it will make your life better. The woman who runs the rescue is so she's a genius marketer. The way she markets these dogs, it they are so cute and so funny. It's it's like my favorite Instagram page ever. <laughs> I actually found one on Instagram recently. It's called Suki Cat, S-U-K-I-C-A-T. Uh-huh. And it is the, the first thing that caught my eye. My, my oldest daughter was here with us for three months and she followed it. And I'm in the elevator with her and I said, that is the most beautiful cat I've ever seen. And she showed me this Instagram and they the owners travel all over the world and they bring the cat with them everywhere that they go. And they, they do some really, really great pictures. So, but I really appreciate you being on today. Thank and, you so much. Um, maybe hopefully you can come back again another time um, with, with whatever topic you'd like to discuss. But before I go, I want to talk a little bit about the newest rage that we're all hearing about, which is um, CBD. Um, I don't know if you know, but like any other health related products, um, there's a difference between um, what consumer needs to think about when they go to buy CBD um, because the market got flooded. And so there's a lot of inferior products out there. So it's really hard to choose the right one. So here at Yogi's Podcast Network, what the one we trust is from CTFO CBD products. 
And in particular, they have got this new product called 10 times pure gold super 1000. That's one of the things people don't understand about CBD is they, they buy it as inexpensively as they can. And so they get the super low dose and it doesn't really work like it should. So CTFO has products that will help your skincare, your health, your weight control, and even your pets. They 10 times pure gold is a full spectrum CBD. It's manufactured in the USA and um, they have a guarantee. So if you, if you head over to yogispodcastnetwork.com forward slash CBD, um, we make a small commission, but you don't pay anything extra and you get the highest quality CBD, yogispodcastnetwork.com forward slash CBD. And with that, good night, everyone. Hasta la bye bye. Thank you for listening to the nightly rant you enjoyed the show please give us a five-star rating on apple Podcasts or google play if you didn't enjoy the show please just ignore that previous request for a rating this has been a yogi's podcast network production